what typically will end up happening is uh, the male fly, he'll encounter a female and um, he'll orient towards her and he'll start uh, basically chasing the female. And while he does that, she's running away and uh, he'll um, extend the wing and vibrate it and it'll produce a song. What the female is basically doing is using that song in some ways to basically assess the quality of the male, if, you know, if he's fit. And if he is, she'll slow down and allow mating to happen. And then what he'll do is he'll bend his abdomen a full 180 degrees and attempt to mate with her. You're listening to Research That Resonates, a podcast from Villanova University's College of Liberal Arts and Sciences that takes you inside the labs and classrooms to learn from our distinguished faculty and students. I'm your host, Chelsea Gerard. In this mini-series, we're talking to research teams who study genetics. I sat down with biology professor Troy Sharangi and Julia Duckhorn, who recently graduated from Villanova with a bachelor's in cognitive and behavioral neuroscience to learn about the research they've done in the fruit fly. I'm Troy Sharangi, and I'm uh, the biology faculty here at Villanova, and I've been here since 2016. Hi, I'm Julia Duckhorn. Uh, I'm from Napa Valley, California. Dr. Sharangi and Julia have been studying courtship in fruit flies because it's an innate behavior. It's instinctual. If you took a male fly from the moment that it came out as a fly and you kept it in isolation, um, you know, days, days later, weeks later, um, if he encounters a female fly for the very first time in his, in his life, all of the behaviors will unfold as if, you know, just automatically. The reason why that's interesting is because it's not learned, so he doesn't learn any of it. So if he doesn't learn it, where does it come from? It has to come from genes. So what we can do is we can uh, basically try to find genes that contribute to either the male's behavior or the female's behavior in a way of trying to understand how exactly the genes build that potential for, um, for the instinct for the male and female behavior. They have been studying a gene called the dissatisfaction gene in fruit flies because it has a direct effect on courtship behaviors. Here's Julia. Dissatisfaction is a gene that's important for development uh, in the nervous system of uh, Drosophila, fruit flies. One method that geneticists use to approach uh, how to determine which genes are important is they will knock the gene out in a fly and then you'll see what happens to the fly. Uh, how does their behavior change when they lose that gene? When dissatisfaction is lost, uh, causes a number of courtship uh, deficiencies in the male and female. Uh, the males become unsuccessful when they attempt to court the female. What they found was that it's because he's not able to fully bend his abdomen 180 degrees to complete a successful mating. Um, and when it's knocked out in the females, they become unreceptive to the males and they will just run away. If mating eventually does happen, they're able to make eggs, but they're not able to lay them. So the dissatisfaction gene plays a critical role in a fruit fly's courtship behavior. But it's also important to understand how this plays out neurologically. 
There are two general theories on how genes inform the neurological paths. Dr. Sharangi explains. Originally, when we kind of were thinking about how instincts come, where do they come from, you can kind of think of it in two different models, in two different ways. One, you could imagine that in the nervous system, there would be like specific and defined separate distinct pathways in the brain that would be for that instinct. Uh, I was thinking this a metaphor of having apps on your phone where you can think of having a, an indiv- a specific app for every behavior and instinct that, that an individual like an animal would produce. The alternative would be is that there aren't different apps but just like one app that is multifunctional and has the ability to just get reprogrammed depending upon the, the state to give you different behaviors. And the work in the fly uh, that's been going on for the last like 15 years or so seems to suggest that it's the individual specific app version that's working in the flies. The fruit fly has close to 100,000 neurons and they've whittled things down to just three that appear to be important for this very specific behavior. So far what we've done is we found a set of cells in uh, the nervous system of the fly that's really important for this courtship behavior that dissatisfaction is doing something in these cells to affect their behavior. There are about uh, three sets of cells in a male fly that's important for these behaviors and uh, a bit more in the female. There are about 10 sets of cells. One of the things that's really cool is we can shut the cells off in, in the fly that's behaving. And what happens is he can't bend his abdomen anymore when he, so he'll cord, but then he loses that ability to bend. Um, and then the other, another set of experiments that Julia has done is we can have the ability to activate the cells, to turn them on in response to light. So we can shine some light on it and then we can force those cells to, to, to fire and to get turned on. When that happens, the male bends his abdomen. For genetic researchers, there aren't a whole lot of animal systems that allow them to whittle down to the neurological circuits and specific cells. Fruit flies are one of the few model systems available for this type of research, which is why Dr. Sharangi uses them in his lab. So to be able to understand how genes build circuits, one of the, the, the challenges that we face is that we have to somehow not only find genes that affect the behavior, but we have to figure out where those genes are expressed in the nervous system. Then we have to figure out which of the cells in the nervous system that express the gene are the ones that are really important for the behavior. And then finally, we can then go back and say, well, how does the gene contribute to those, to those cells, to those circuits to build the behavior? What we're hoping is that in time, as we do our work and then other labs and other places start do their work and in the course of you know 15 20 years a picture will begin to emerge of this is some basic textbook level basic principles of how genes build circuits so what we're hoping to do is we're not necessarily interested in dissatisfaction for dissatisfaction's sake as much as we're hoping that it's serving us as a model that we can kind of get very foundational understanding of how genes contribute to circuits more generally. And when we have that foundation, then when it comes down to um, down the line for trying to understand how genes contribute to like human behaviors or like neurological diseases, for instance, 
there will be that blueprint that that sort of that scaffold there where now the details that on um, can get, kind of get filled in. Dr. Sharangi received a National Science Foundation Career Award to support this research. A career award is a pretty selective and prestigious award given to faculty who are early in their career and have the potential to serve as academic role models in research and education. Thanks to the career grant, Julia was able to continue working in Dr. Sharangi's lab for a year after her graduation, an experience that has been incredibly influential in her education. Coming to Villanova and having this experience, it just opened up this whole other idea of, I don't know, what my career could be like. And then also I think what's been really helpful about being in the lab is seeing the principles that I've been learning about in my like psychology and neuroscience and biology classes, like how those actually like apply to the real world and being able to manipulate these things and see the changes myself, I find really interesting. It's helped shape clearer pictures of what's going on when I'm in those classes, having that hands-on like first-hand experience with like, using the tools, having to actually learn what the tools do in a deeper way. Thanks for listening to Research That Resonates. We've produced two other miniseries, one on sustainability and one on the intersection of youth and identity. You can check those out on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, and Spotify.